Tea Words, Volume One, by Chan Master Sheng Yan. Light and Quakes, from Chan Newsletter Number Fifty Five, August, nineteen eighty six. In the sutras, when Buddha expounded the Dharma, he often emitted a brilliant light that radiated throughout the universe, and he generated six kinds of quakes. That shook through all the Buddha worlds. Light is visible, and it represents the hopefulness the Dharma can bring. Quakes can be felt; their motion and vibration represent the energy of the Dharma. These phenomena would have been sufficient by themselves for the Buddha to express his teaching. In other words, the Dharma can really be expressed without words or language. Dharma is in fact inconceivable. It cannot be truly discussed or approached by reason. When the Buddha spoke, many sentient beings saw this light and felt the tremors, yet did not all understand their significance. Therefore, it was still necessary for the Buddha to use words. There are many levels of light and motion. The most elementary level of light is what all ordinary beings can see. The most elementary level of motion is the kind ordinary beings can feel. However, there exist higher levels of light and motion that ordinary beings are not able to see or feel. Our eyes are normally receptive only to visible light, a small spectrum, and we notice only grosser forms of movement. Very subtle forms of motion elude us, depending upon the situation or occasion. Sentient beings saw the light the Buddha emitted during one of his discourses. The kind of light sent forth varied from one discourse to another, and each gathering of Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, Arhats, monks, nuns, and lay people elected light according to the needs of the listeners. But only sentient beings with the proper causes and conditions could see the light the Buddha radiated, and only they could hear the Dharma. Sentient beings can see different kinds of light according to their level of attainment. Bodhisattvas can see the same light as ordinary sentient beings, but light visible to bodhisattvas will be invisible to sentient beings. Accordingly, the light the Buddhas emit to each other is invisible to bodhisattvas. Light and quakes may also serve as signals in much the same way that, in a temple, the clapping of boards announces lunch. The sound of the bell, a lecture. When the Buddha generates light and quakes, it often means that he is about to expound the Dharma to bodhisattvas of a higher level, the first Bhumi and above. At such a time, no words are necessary. The light and quakes are sufficient for the bodhisattvas to understand the Dharma. Light can also represent the Buddha's wisdom. Quakes can represent merit and virtue. Light guides and helps sentient beings. Quakes and motion are the actions of the Buddha helping sentient beings. The Buddha enjoys the totality of all wisdom, but he may only use a part of this wisdom, depending on the needs of sentient beings. When he speaks to sentient beings, he will use sentient being dharma to help them. If he speaks to advanced bodhisattvas, then Buddha will use bodhisattva dharma or Buddha dharma. The light of the Buddha's wisdom can be small or grand and intense.
The light described in the Shuragama Sutra is the greatest kind, and the Dharma expounded in it is the most important. Shakamuni lived 2,500 years ago, and according to the sutras, when he discoursed, light radiated and quakes occurred, not just in India, but throughout a myriad of worlds. Why weren't these events recorded in history? The answer is that only those sentient beings with the right causes and conditions could see the light and sense the quakes. Otherwise, these phenomena are invisible and inaudible. There is yet another function of light and quakes in Buddha Dharma. Light can signify the power and ability to help others. To the extent that we have this power, people will see us as an embodiment of hope. In that sense, we can give off light. Quakes embody the power to move others. When we do good deeds, others will be touched by that. And when we do evil, others can be shocked by what we've done. Either way, the actions we take affect others. While Mao Zedong lived, it was said that one word from his lips could move the world. Or if someone were to try to shoot a president, one or two bullets could bring incalculable political consequences. Good actions, too, can have global significance. Someone able to avert a war would affect the whole world. Are you capable of emitting light and moving others? We can all do this. No doubt when I speak, I am emitting some light. You in the audience also emit light. When my book, Getting the Buddha Mind, came out, many people liked it and found it helpful. But it wasn't only my doing that caused it to happen. Many people were involved in its publication. The moving and touching of others was brought about by many people. We all have light. I just spoke of a kind of metaphoric light. But there are people who, as a result of great practice, wisdom, merit, and virtue, have an aura. You can actually see it. It's not symbolic. It is really visible light. Over 30 years ago, when I was in the army in Taiwan, a general came to visit our unit. He was dressed like an ordinary soldier, but I could sense he was someone special. On another occasion, I met Jiang Jieshi. I always imagined that he would be tall and striking, but when I saw him, he looked quite ordinary. But there was something about him that made me avert my eyes. He gave out a sense of being larger than he really was. If you have great faith and attainment in practice, you are able to see the aura of a great practitioner. Otherwise, you need close karmic affinity with them to see it. A Taiwanese woman I met had a power of psychic seeing. Once, I was giving a lecture, and as I spoke, she saw a light emanating from me, and she noticed that my translator absorbed the light. The more the light was absorbed, the more the translation improved. The woman also saw a third figure standing behind us who seemed to merge with the translator. When told about this, my translator replied, When I began, I concentrated very hard on what you were saying because I was nervous and didn't want to make a mistake. Later, I felt I didn't have to be nervous. I just asked Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva to help me. Who was the third person standing behind the translator? It may not have been an incarnation of the Avalokiteshvara, but I believe it was an extension of his power. I was unaware of the light myself, so I asked the woman what it looked like, 
She said that when I first started to talk about the Dharma, a glow came from my head. And as I continued to speak, the light seemed to come from my whole body, spreading in all directions. This is because when I first started to speak, I had no idea what I would talk about. Thus, the light came from my head as I thought about what I would say. Later, I spoke spontaneously, and according to this woman, the Dharma light emanated from my whole body. That is why statues of Buddha are sculpted to show symbolic light radiating out from all sides. Someone within the aura will not be able to see the light. They must be outside the aura to see it. If you can't see the light, either you don't have karmic affinity with the practitioner, or you're already inside the aura. This is like hearing about a person's greatness. At a distance, he or she may appear great, but the closer you get, the more the semblance of greatness diminishes. Perceiving a practitioner's greatness is a different story. Whether near or far, the greatness will be apparent to someone who has karmic affinity with them. But strangely enough, with a very great practitioner, even though you may have a karmic affinity with them, if you are not a practitioner, you will sense their greatness when far away, but when close, you will lose the sense of greatness. One evening, the monk De Shan Xuan Jin, 819-914, visited Master Long Tan, no dates, in the latter's chamber. After a brief chat, Master Long Tan said, Isn't it time you retired for the night? As he was about to go out, De Shan turned around and said, It's already dark. Longtan said, I'll get you a candle. Longtan then offered De Shan a lit candle. Just as De Shan reached for the candle, Master Longtan blew it out. This moment, De Shan had realization and was enlightened. Did De Shan get the light? That would be the light of wisdom. Without wisdom, even in broad daylight, you walk in darkness. When the master blew out the candle, the younger monk became enlightened. He no longer saw the outside as dark and the inside, lit by the candle, as light. He saw no difference between outside and inside, darkness and light. The light of wisdom was thus derived from darkness. No longer fearing darkness, De Shan was then able to radiate light and move others. Practitioners need to attain a certain level before they can use the light of wisdom and the moving power of merit and virtue. Till then, the light of wisdom is dormant, and people must rely on the power of their virtuous karma. One still gives off light, but it is not yet the light of wisdom. After enlightenment, the true light of wisdom arises. It is like a backup generator that has been still and silent in the storeroom, but suddenly it is turned on and begins to create electricity in a steady flow. Practitioners also generate light that shines brighter and brighter as they approach Buddhahood. You can generate light to help sentient beings. It will shine even when there is no one there to benefit from it. When you are truly ready, others will sense your light. If you help them, if you move them to practice, then you will give forth light and generate Dharma quakes.